With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey you, you look like you're in need of a vacation. A Friday Island vacation where you get to hear about the things you enjoy. Here we talk about everyone's favorite movies, TV shows, video games, and more. We keep things pretty laid back here, but we also do our research. We've got trivia, questions about plot holes, some hilariously bad reviews, and more. New episodes go up every Friday, obviously. So come on and join Neil and I over on Friday Island Podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you there. This is the Triple C Podcast. Talking all things comics, culture, and cosplay. With Josh, Mari, Kevin, and Zach. How's it going out there, Triple C fans and every nerd across the spectrum? It's Josh here for another episode of the podcast. I am joined this week by Kevin and Zach. Mari is out on holiday. So we miss Mari very much, but we hope that she is having a lovely vacation and enjoying herself. She, Wait, she she's on vacation? Vacation. I thought, she was going to, I thought it was the drug deals. Mm. Listen, Tell us if we've been paying our bills. I, I, I was gonna say, um, l- l- listen, Phantom Limb doesn't know about all all the tri- the uh, private flights we've been chartering to Cabo. But anyway, um, let's talk. Okay, Zach, the stream last week. Um, thank you to anyone who joined, but also sorry to anyone who joined. Uh, ah. We we tried, we tried really really hard to um, kind of get me set up in Final Fantasy fourteen online. And the problem is this is very much a computer computer game you can't play this shit on a controller and i tried and it just ended with me like with a million pops up pop-ups on my screen and it just uh i don't know it just it just did not work it was really weird because it's like on the ps4 it's an app that opens a browser and through the browser you go to the game so it's i don't know how any of this works but um yeah, so thank you for anyone who, who uh, bore with us. We'll have uh, something a little more interesting next Monday at I, 6 p.m. when we stream. It's my fault because I never tried playing with a controller. I just knew lots of people who'd use the controller and were like, yeah, this is fine. This is fine. And I was like, nice. oh, okay, so we're good. Liars. <laughs> they was... may just be masochists. Oh, it could be that as well. Good God. I'm, on, I'm very sorry that I missed out on all the fun. I... I mean, usually by six o'clock in the evening, Zach knows that my work schedule is very crazy. So if it's six o'clock in the evening, I'm getting, I'm having dinner, I'm tapping out, I'm getting ready to call it a day just because, hey, adulting is never an easy thing to do, especially for those of us who are still in our mid to late 20s. And adulting in a pandemic is especially not an easy feat to do because you got to make sure that you're healthy. You got to make sure that you stay sane with your hobbies and whatever you got to do in order to keep, keep on keeping on friendly reminder. 
that you can find us at our new nerdy home away from home fandom limb podcast network that's fandomlim.com where you can find other amazing great shows including the star girl after show podcast shout out to mr sean mcbee for all the work he does running the network and running that podcast and everybody else within the network we're still getting to know some of the fine folks through our social media i just want to say we appreciate the overwhelming welcome that we have received from everybody so far. You guys are the ever-loving best. And now I want us to jump into this uh, first topic for the week, the ever-loving, crazy, expensive experience that is Disney's Star Wars Hotel. Quote, super immersive and super expensive is the banner headline from Polygon. This is the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. This is coming in 2022 and... Oh, man, these price points. Um, Zach, I'm, I'm going to hand this one over to you as our, our resident uh, Star Wars correspondent. I Look, I can't say much. I'm not going to be objective about this. Uh, they announced the idea of this thing like three or four years ago. Well, I guess three years now. And I started saving money because I was like, this is going to cost like two, three grand because I think a lot of people fundamentally misunderstood that like this isn't like a trip to a themed disney hotel like oh i'm in the hollywood themed hotel uh, or the um i don't know what are some of the themed ones toy story no uh, i don't know the the biggest one is getting to stay in cinderella's castle at disney world and i mean we're talking the castle that is in the park no that's completely different that's completely different that's a super hyper duper ultra exclusive thing like i'm talking about the thing that like normal people go to right where it's Mm -hmm. like this is the pirate theme and this is the jungle theme um this is not that this is you are for two nights going to be as close as modern technology can get you to being in star wars and everyone all of the employees are going to wear star wars clothes they encourage you to bring star wars clothes like the whole nine yards um it's a two-night it's a two-night immersive adventure um you, you start on a quote launch pod and you're staying on this halcyon star cruiser so it's you know they're gonna have star wars themed entertainment every so often there'll be some sort of uh plot sort of thing it's it almost reminds me of it's it's almost like a Westworld but star wars type of thing but in real life you know what i mean i mean but with obviously without the robots uh, unfortunately uh but if you if you uh, if i don't have if, robots what am i supposed to bang oh like are there gonna be any droids on the ship there might be but that's not what i'm looking for you know maybe a nice twi'lek you know, if you're really, really lucky. Um, uh, so if you it, know, I'm sure someone out there has like a Wookiee thing. I'm sure we'll get you in there sure. eventually. Oh, man, I'm going to bring my full full Wook suit if I, if I were to go. Uh, but if you want to... I was going to take that, but fair enough. So if you want to go with two people, it's going to start at 4809 That's $4,809. Uh, and that's only on weeknights. If you're uh, two adults and one child, that's 5229 and three adults, one child, that's basically $6,000 for a two-night experience. Ah, uh, oh, man, this is super fans only, man. Okay, this is maybe a little pessimistic, but I'm looking forward to this opening. It's going to run for a little bit, and you'll inevitably like have people getting like really drunk and fighting in the Star Wars bar 
and like posting it up on Live Leak or something. And I like I cannot <sighs> wait to see that. It's gonna be hilarious. That is, you are incredibly depressing. Um, I will say, I hope they do. Like I'm trying to think of how to phrase this carefully. I hope at some point they offer like the adult right. You know how like pools have the adult hour. I hope they offer something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I'm looking to do anything, but right like maybe get a story that's a little less kid focused. Again, Westworld. You know, you got to go farther from the center of the park in order to get the more intense stuff. I actually <laughs> think that this is probably that's probably never going to happen because it's the Disney Corporation. They will never allow oh, that man. to happen. Oh, man. That's what Let's I'm saying. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, they need something like that. It's Disney, man. They are not willing to flex. They've got a family friendly friendly image that has been in place since Walt and Roy Disney. I doubt they are ever going to stray away saying. from that they sacred ha- mission. Because they're so family friendly, they have to have some place like that. Yeah. On this yeah. hotel. Do they have to? I'm. I'm again. I'm not the big Star Wars fan. I will say for this price point, and I have not done the research, but for that kind of money, that's could probably be the same amount of funding that you would need converted to euros or whatever for a trip to like France or Germany or oh, yeah. England or whatever. Yeah. Like that is, and for that, you'd also be staying longer in France or Germany or Europe or wherever in Western or Eastern Europe. And I am a Star Wars fan. Zach will tell you, I may not be as diehard as he is, but I love the Star Wars fandom. I love the movies. I love the books. I went to Star Wars Celebration Chicago. I dressed up, you know, for one day. I had fun. It was a blast. But I am not willing to spend that kind of money for a two-night experience, even for a Star Wars-themed hotel. For that kind of money, I would rather go spend two, maybe three weeks in England, bumming around Oxford, visiting my favorite places that I've always wanted to check out. I would rather do that. So, Zach, you have my blessing. Go geek out at Star Wars Land for two nights. I'll go spend three weeks in England hanging out with literary hobnobs and paying and paying homage to my favorite deceased authors laying uh, laying flowers at tolkien's grave what do you say and this is right by no means is this cheap it's definitely for like people who are big fans like unquestionably i'm going uh people can say whatever they they uh desire about that particular decision but i know myself this is the kind of thing i've wanted for years and i i figured it wasn't going to be cheap uh, and I was correct. And on that note, talking about Tolkien, we're going to switch gears and go t- and, and transition from a galaxy far, far away to Middle Earth to talk about. We've been talking about this quite a bit, I'd like to point out, ever since the news broke that Amazon will be doing a Lord of the Rings TV series. You know, they've brokered, I believe they have successfully brokered a deal with the Tolkien estate. I know there was some issues at one point, if memory serves. But this, little, this lovely little article is coming from the good folks at Deadline talking about how the series has got a premiere date and a first look photo. Amazon did the right thing, I would like to point out. They filmed in New Zealand as well. They did not decide to go an alternate route. They, have, they, they clearly looked at what Peter Jackson did with the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit films and knew we've got to film in New Zealand because that is Middle Earth. For everyone out there over the last several decades, 
New Zealand has been the Shire and Gondor and Rohan and freaking Mordor too, like and and Rivendell and Lothlorien. New Zealand. I mean, you can still go to Hobbiton for Pete's sakes and walk amongst the Hobbit holes. I thought you were going to say you could walk amongst the hobbits, and I was like, "Whoa, hey now!" They don't no, like I mean, we know, we know this. They built those. They built those hobbit holes with some pretty sturdy materials that are slowly just biodegrading into the earth. Like not like in a bad way, but like, which is just I gotta say, it's a shame. Let me. I I want a hobbit hole, right? I want a Star Wars hotel. I'll live in a hobbit hole. Would you want Bag End, or Hopefully would you with want raised ceilings? Well, yeah, obviously. But my question, Zach, is would you go the cliche route and go with Bag End or would you want maybe like uh, the old gaffer's place or uh, Farmer Maggot's property? You know, like uh, something not as big as spacious as uh, Bag End, but, you know, still a nice hole. I want none of those. I want this to be like the Lord of the Rings or like, so. right? I know what I want in my house. So just be so I'll just make the floor plan and then someone out there just puts in some nice arched uh, arched ceilings and it's underground because you know what I bet I bet being underground fantastic insulation. I maybe, but we one thing we, we're getting a little off the beaten track here. So this Amazon TV series is developed by JD Payne and Patrick McKay. It is described as an epic drama set in the second age of Middle-earth, thousands of years before the events of the Lord of the Rings films and the novels. So this means, Zach, you are very familiar with the Lord of the Rings lore. No, know, not, not this not well, this stuff. Well, not, maybe not this, but not I know you, you, you read The Cimmerillion. You read The Cimmerillion many years ago for a class project. So do you want to just try to fill in as best you can for non-Lord of the Rings aficionados? What is the second age of Middle-earth? What does that mean that we will be getting with this show? Obviously, I know you, you can't go into detail, but oh, if you could give us a put this on me. Um, I'm not I, putting I, it I on really... you, but you read the book. I read the book. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like 10 years ago, the most, what we're really going to be getting is like, hey, the actual big bad is still around. Sauron isn't doing anything. Or, well, I guess I, I guess it really depends on when they said it. Um, Second Age stuff, I guess, is really more before Sauron gets diced. Because Sauron getting his butt whooped was the beginning of the Third Age, if I remember correctly. And please... There's no guarantee I'm remembering correctly. Lord of the Rings fans, don't eat me alive. I just like the video games. They're fun games. There's there's really not been many bad Lord of the Rings games. Um, but so it'll it will be stuff with Rohan and Gondor will still be around. Anor will still be around. 
Uh, there will be more elves. The elves will be a little bit less whiny. I guess they haven't all given into depression or whatever happened to them in the Third Age when they all decided to start moving out to magic elf heaven. From what memory serves, this means that the main villain will be Morgoth, the first dark. No, it should. As far as I know, it's still it's still Sauron because no, because I think Morgoth was only around in this first age, and the second age began after the the breaking of the world or this whatever when the world went for went like got changed all around and stuff. Okay, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember. Right, so. The thing that I'm going to be interested in the in, in the the thing that I'm going to be interested in the most is will the series end with the last alliance of men and elves and the battle on the slopes of Mount Doom that we see as a brief prologue at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring. I hope not. In fact, I hope it stays far away. Like, I hope it stays far away from all that. Um, as we've seen with lots of other media out there, there are super, right? The Lord of the Rings is cool and interesting, but there's so much more interesting stuff in the lore. Like one of my, my, one of my reasons for liking, for instance, Battle of the Middle-Earth 2 so much was there was the Witch King of Honor DLC, which I know it wasn't a hundred percent accurate to what happened. Um, but it was one of the deepest looks we'd gotten at. Uh, the downfall of the kingdom of the men, men out uh, out by the Shire, right? Like, it was a super easy, accessible way to get into that, and it had a bunch of characters that, unless you super deep-dived into the books, you're never going to meet, right? Do that. Go somewhere else. Tell your own story. You have the whole of Middle-Earth? Tell a story in the whole of Middle-Earth. I know what Frodo's doing. I know what the Hobbits are doing. I know what the Last Alliance is doing. I don't want a rehash of those. Go somewhere else. So fortunately, we have this this Lord of the Rings show that's going to be treading some new territory. Uh, but usually what we see out of shows and, and movies are just remakes upon remakes. And usually we're, exci- we're excited when things are released and upset when things you know, fall through. But in this particular instance, we're talking about an adaptation to uh, the famed manga and and, uh, anime film Akira. Uh, Taika Taika Waititi uh, was set to direct. The film fell apart. And that's why he was cast in the Suicide Squad. So listen, this Akira is an absolute masterpiece through and through. I watched the film the other day, actually. It's, It's phenomenal although the like the last half was like a little funky because i think the film was released before the manga ended so i don't think the a creator lot funky <laughs> yeah yeah a little funky yeah quite, quite a bit funky but you don't need to touch on either of those you know what i mean like you don't i can't see this being any better than either of those two two versions of this story honestly so it's one of those things where it's kind of like putting old yeller down but um Listen, I, I feel like this would go the way of Ghost in the Shell if it were ever released. The thing that makes me bummed is that according to this article from uh, Nishiban, or uh, Nichiban, I'm, I hope I'm saying that right, and I apologize if I am butchering that pronunciation, that, quote, a recent poll was issued to Japanese viewers of video distribution service One Screen asking which anime titles they wanted to see Hollywood adapt into live action and the answer was nothing 
if the if the country of origin for so many well-known mangas and animes if the if the if the fans of that country and the citizenry of that country are saying they don't want anything adapted by hollywood into live action hollywood pay attention to that now grant you they had success with Alita battle angel they had they had success with Alita battle angel i remember zach you and i saw that and we enjoyed it that was great the pokemon movie was actually surprisingly enjoyable would i want a sequel to that no it was a great one-shot movie you had ryan reynolds as a pikachu which was adorable and feisty and he had a crippling caffeine addiction that was that rivaled the that of many famous noir private detectives but that was it honestly I got to agree with them. I have to agree with Japan. Do not take beloved animes and mangas and adapt them for live action media. I'm looking at you, Netflix. You dropped the ball with Death Note and you're going to drop the ball again with freaking Cowboy Bebop. I'm sorry. I'm calling it before it even happens. They are going to put that thing. They got to just put that thing in the ground six feet under. Josh, money. Listen, this will be... promise you this will be attempted again years from now because because hollywood doesn't learn their fucking lesson when it comes to these things it's exactly the reason why they're not i'm sorry like they're not going to listen to what these what japanese audiences think unfortunately because i don't know they're just going to take a gamble on this as an investment um if they ever do it again but listen i don't know i i'm i don't see this having ever gone anywhere good especially the reason that it fell apart was cited as creative disagreements it was postponed indefinitely in 2019 and i guess it just now shut down matrix 4 is going to be taking the, the slot on may 21st of uh or wait no matrix 4 taking its may 21st 2021 premiere date well that didn't happen um yeah um, but i just so far i gotta say the the reason japan doesn't want hollywood adapting it is because somehow fundamentally People keep screwing it up. Like they, you get these people in here who claim they they love the source material and they respect it and they would never they want to do right by it and they just somehow seem to fundamentally miss the point and miss what makes so many of these animes great. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I lead a battle angel did so well is because it was someone who did know the source material and really did obviously put time and love and effort into recreating it. Is that what I hope happens? With Cowboy Bebop, absolutely. Based on the track record so far, it's not gonna, and it's gonna crash and burn and be a hot, disgusting, ugly mess that we all try to forget about. Well, we hope that's not the case. But listen, you gotta look at things realistically and manage your expectations. Uh, Just like managing your expectations of shitty game developers like Activision Blizzard, who systematically abuse their female employees, as we discussed, um, I believe it was last week, um, so in the wake of just a, a whole week of uh, the, the California, uh, Cal- state of California suing Activision Blizzard for um, suppressing female employees' pay, just obviously having a, a horrible frat bro-like culture, um, if, you're, if you've been listening to, to gaming news and kind of keeping an eye on things, you, you might know all about this, you might know all about the employee walkout, um, how Ubisoft... Uh, their employees also responded talking about abuses in their own company. And then after all this, Activision Blizzard need, needed them to sit down with their investors and assure, the, assure these rich assholes that they're not going to get any, any poorer because of this. It was basically like two lines of, we hear you, 
We understand. But also Call of Duty went, it did, did pretty good. Q2, though, pretty fucking tight. Like, it, it's it, it, was, it just came across as gross, especially when you see that they haven't even done as much as acknowledge what the the actual uh, demands of the employees outside of hiring a union busting firm to oversee their HR practices. It's the only thing that we've really gotten out of it. I didn't really expect anything different. Um, you know, I, I'm glad these kinds of things are public so that we know so that we can listen to them and get records and know what happened in them. Because yeah, this is this is this was just there were some people in there that tr asked some pointed questions, and I don't know if they were asking those pointed questions because they were worried about how, uh, hey, if everyone quits and stops working here, how are we gonna make money? Or if they were genuinely concerned that, hey, are you guys like being shitheads? Because I really don't want to be here if you are. I don't know which which of those it is. We'll probably never know, but. The response was just as weak. The response to their shareholders was as weak and anemic as their response to the real problems and concerns was. You're fucking here. Um, you know, and I, I think it's interesting also to note that the state of California looked at a couple of other really big studios out there and they're like, oh, by the way, we're not stopping with Blizzard. So uh, don't go nowhere. Mm. <laughs> stay tuned to the triple c podcast because we're gonna be all stay tuned for the sure. same exact thing from from ubisoft <laughs> yeah. depressingly yep. mm -hmm. i would like to point out that i applaud the state of california for doing this for uh taking this th this is not a scorched earth mentality they are being methodical about this they are taking their time it, i know we discussed it on last week's episode this is not something that the state of california did just out of the clear blue with niblets of evidence no this was after a a two-year investigation uh into the practices at activision blizzard so this meant that what, what were you guys what were you and mari joking about zach not like you know terabytes worth of information versus like binders and binders of documentation so this is a lot of mm. evidence that they have conclusively to lay at the feet of the public on the practices of Activision Blizzard. And I absolutely applaud them. Uh, taking a little trip in the way back machine, this reminds me of something I learned years ago in my history classes in high school and at college about the efforts that former President Teddy Roosevelt did, you know, with trust busting, because he was a he was one of the few presidents that did not like how big these corporations were getting. And that's also, you know, the 1800s and the 1900s versus the 21st century. But I like to, but I applaud the efforts. And the reason I talk about it is because there are parallels. Obviously, you know, highest office in the land versus state government is a completely different ballpark, but the efforts will hopefully yield the same fruit, where companies are called to account for disgusting, disreputable business practices and are forced to acknowledge their faults and change things, not only to not only accepting you know what they did was wrong but also making the active change to make this environment better for the present and the future because there are you know people every day and every year that go to college to get degrees in coding or in business management and they love to game and they want to go to work in the gaming industry and if they feel like 
especially for you know for for females if they feel like they can't go work in an industry they love because it's going to be a horribly sexist misogynistic unsafe place then i i, I that's with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Horrible. That's not okay. And by that same token, the comic book industry. If you allow the Warren Ellis's and the Cameron Stewart's of the industry to just have their way and not be called to account, uh, then it's not going to be safe. And it means that brilliant minds who could be the next who could be the next Amanda Connor or the next Kelly Sue DeConnick? I apologize. I'm not for. I'm, I'm not a gamer, so I'm not familiar with prominent uh, female individuals in the gaming industry. But the point still stands. There shouldn't. These industries should not be places where anyone has to look over their shoulder constantly while trying to do what they love. I apologize. That's a that was a long-winded response, but there's a lot to unpack with this. There is. And again, I want to plug uh, Women in Games International, which is a great organization that provides resources um, to help advance economic equality and diversity uh, in the gaming, in the global games industry um, for, the, for the benefit of, of women and, and uh, as well. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a great alternative if you're trying to spend your money on a battle pass, put your money into, the, into Women in Games International instead. I just, I know we went over it last week, man, some of the stuff I'm just like, really, really, this is what we're going with, boys. This is this is how we're going to portray gaming with cubicle crawls, really, guys. Yeah, it's it's really disgusting, and I'm sure it's only the tip of the iceberg. Um, but listen, like after reading about all of this nasty Activision Blizzard bullshit, it's, it's nice for a little bit of um, feel good retribution. You know what I mean? So we're looking at a Kotaku article about a, a player in Red Dead Redemption uh, online who's gotten famous for, quote unquote, killing racist KKK players online, except it's a little bit fishy. And there's reason to believe that the entire situation uh, has been faked for clout, which I think is absolutely horrendous if that's the case. Um, I guess what did your guys' um, take on this? Like, do you think this is... I understand it's obvious why someone doing this would would get famous. I mean, you know, it's everyone likes seeing neo-Nazis get punched in the face. Um, but I guess what did you think of this article in general and, and, and what this guy did? I want to say I'd be surprised and upset that it was staged, but I wouldn't be. It would be a lie. Same. It's just the inner right. Like on one hand, there's just like all the right. And let's be clear. This is a hypothetical statement. 
all the best lies have a grain of truth in them. Um, so it's very easy to believe that a bunch of racist uh, KKK players would get into a Red Dead lobby and run around yelling racial slurs and all that. Yeah. Right? It's believable that some kid in college who goes, funny RP, goes and does it, right? Without, like, ever being anywhere even close to the KKK. So, yeah. Yeah, I could believe that happens. No problem. But, like I don't you said, think something it's... about it just seems... Off? Yeah, yeah, awfully convenient. Um, so basically, it's a few a few of the things that are a little bit off about this is that you you may listen and be like, okay, well, why does this popular online game let you dress up as the freaking KKK if you're a player? It doesn't. You have to mod it online in order to include that outfit. So what it seems like is there are a bunch of players with those mods holding like a black NPC hostage and he goes in guns blazing and they're all conveniently standing either at the edge of a cliff or uh, next to explosive barrels and they don't really fight back like an actual player would uh, and it just kind of seems very convenient and what it what it does it really is blows I guess a situation out of proportion that is that may or may not actually be there but um, or at least like to the degree that it's being portrayed but like there actually have been characters dressing in all white, but it's not. Listen, if you're gonna do it, do it for real. Like I want to see him. I want to see this being done for real, not like in real life, but like with actual racist players doing this, not like some staged fake bull reality show bullshit. You know what I mean? I, like, I was I gonna say to there's there's enough horrible people that if you just start lobby hopping, you'll find what you're looking for. I regretfully am quite certain of that. Yeah, I'm only ups I'm only upset that it might possibly be be fake, but I guess the fact that it's fake means that not as many players are actually doing this as it seems. I hope, but um, damn, goddamn people. I I also trash. think it's like right when someone puts a video like that out, like it was completely the, because let's be honest, we're not a big show. Most people aren't going to listen to us, and more importantly, we don't have a ton of like most people aren't going to find out that. Oh, no, this video game doesn't actually let you dress up like the KK freaking K. Yeah. It's definitely like, not in the headline. No, and I would like to state for the record that having read this article and while I haven't seen the videos myself, I'm sorry, I'm not on TikTok. It's bad enough as it is with Instagram and Twitter. I got enough nightmares as it is maintaining our, our social media platforms. I don't need to get sucked down TikTok. Zach already got me yanked into Reddit. Zach, oh, Zach already got me yanked into Reddit years ago, and I'm fine with that. Reddit, Reddit, I know how to play the Reddit game, stay within the subreddits that are that I like, and they're places full of safe conversations with fellow fans and no nutbags, and they're very good about making sure that no horrible conversations take place, so I applaud that. I will say that if anyone out there is listening and you do actually encounter a group of racist players within Red Dead Redemption, this is my really encouragement. Any video game. Or any video game. And you have the ability to take action against those players. Somebody recreate the scene from Django Unchained with the dentist <laughs> wagon already. Please. Hog time to the train tracks, I tell you. Nah, that's too that's too old school movie, you know. You gotta do what Tarantino did. Pack the truck full of explosives and have them all get 
you know, get more lit up than a people than a bunch of people at Lollapalooza. That was honestly like Tar- Tarantino's death in Django, like when his self insert character. Oh was my like gosh! So fucking lit because it's like it's so classic, like shitty western film where it's like shot of a guy standing still and then like hard cut to an explosion in the same place like without any sort of connection it was fucking i thought that was really funny it's making me think of the suicide squad we're going to talk about that next week that's going to be a a discussion for next week well i I would also like to point out that if we're we don't want to talk about suicide squad without mari Yes, this is true. I would also like to point out that if we're talking briefly about Tarantino, my favorite role of his by far is Jimmy in Pulp Fiction, mostly because he actually contributed to the story. He just wasn't a he wasn't a one shot character for the sake of, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx progressing the arc like Jimmy actually contributed something to the storyline. And he also had bombs for my liking. Well, and, well, and he also had that great scene with Harvey. Well, you're not comfortable with hearing the N word every thirty seconds, Kevin? No, not by uh, any, not by anyone, especially not the director of the movie that I'm fucking watching. No, but uh, again, just let's face it: Quentin Tarantino is brilliant. He's a great director. He's made a lot of great films over the years, and I can't wait to see what his next movie is because if memory serves. It will also be his last movie because his policy was he either directs 10 movies, like actually directs them and then retires, or he reaches a certain age and retires. So depending on which one comes first, whether he post movie moving. Yeah. Well, no, like he, he, he's, he's, as far as I'm aware, he has stayed committed to that. Like he's stayed. I mean, okay, listen, I, I listen, it's still not as bad as Miyazaki. This is my last movie checks watch right and, and... <laughs> to be to be fair though every time miyazaki does come back we get movies that once again tug on our heartstrings and make us weep. i'm not saying he Sad, doesn't make good tears. movies i'm saying he's stopped making movies five six times yeah i i applaud tarantino's approach though because no disrespect i'm sorry if this sounds like i'm being disrespectful to martin scorsese or james cameron i'm not trying to but you reach a certain age as a director and if you're not really producing anything brand new and genuinely interesting it's time to retire Enjoy the rewards that you have reaped, the reputation as a, as a storyteller that you have built, and just stop. I'm sorry. There is a certain age when directors need to call it a day, which is why I'm still now like I'm, I'm a huge Orson Welles fan. His last movie, The Other Side of the Wind, is a genuinely great movie. But I also would have liked to seen other projects that he didn't get off the ground get developed. Sadly, he was taken from us too soon at the ripe and still young age of like 60. You know, he was still a young man by Hollywood standards. I'm also pointing out the fact that like, certain actors have lived like like kirk douglas lived to be a hundred something years old kirk douglas wow. was uh, like a freaking machine people come on but anyway i'm rabbit trailing i'm yammering my my mouth off Sorry, france to it. ouch france <laughs> this article is coming from the high and mighty new york times <laughs> banner headline france gave teenagers 350 dollars for culture which you know, with the conversion rate is 300 euros. They're buying comic books. French teenagers. I love you for this. Manga specifically, which I think is really interesting because we've 
talked in the past when we've kind of gone into the changing trends in, in readership and, and buying habits in the comic industry. Listen, it's no longer, the US comic book industry is becoming like second and third fiddle. Manga is, holy crap, it, it, it's not, it's a juggernaut by comparison in terms of the comic medium. A lot of, thing, a lot of things are contributing to this, but I, what I think is the funniest part of this, and I'm, I'm probably gonna mention this when Mari comes back because she, she did, she did post this and I do want to get her, her take on this as well. Um, but it's the fact that these, these teenagers, if you're 18, you can basically get a debit card to, they're hoping you will use for the opera or to go to a, a museum or this, that, or the other. And like, you can still get video games as long as it's nonviolent and there's a, a, a French developer, which is basically like nothing. But did they really she think- Not a lot of French developers. It's, you know, it's either narrow the options to exactly what you want them to do or like don't do it at all. Like to be honest, like, listen, I love, I, I love culture. I, I, I love, I love nerd culture. I love like, I love going out and doing all this stuff. But like, listen, if my area like did tax, like spent a lot of tax money on this, I would kind of be upset because like, obviously it wouldn't, it wouldn't go towards things like that. But at the same time, like, there's an attitude that that like buying manga and, and buying comics don't have value you know what i mean like you look at akira it tells you about you know astroturf political movements it it, it you know and, and about you know, the effects of consumption it's just a whole societal treaties uh death note itself kind of is this socratically minded cat and mouse game where you have to really read it very logically like even manga has a lot of uh really deep value to it so to dismiss it i think is also incorrect but like listen you can't give teenagers like 350 bucks and expect them to not get what they're already interested in i don't know like either limit the the specific options of what they can use it for or don't do it well i just think for me the issue is right there's a very specific implication here that like right and it's just the, that like this general nerdy stuff that we all enjoy isn't culture and i'm like you know what they it's 350 bucks and they're spending it reading maybe it's not reading the stuff that you want but at least they're reading right a at least they're reading it and not spending it on you know mountain dew and doritos or whatever like you save their money for that. No, no, it's not true. Um, but yeah, you know, that's actually that's that's actually a good point. I mean, it's I think a lot of the point is is for it to be used to boost, um, you know, like smaller bookshops and smaller industries. So like it it doesn't have a, a very good purpose for that. But like if you can use it on Amazon, then I think that defeats the purpose. So we don't get a lot of details about how the actual program works. Um, but I mean, you know, concerts stuff like that you can use that for. But like. I don't know. Listen, I wouldn't trust teenagers. Oh, they went with to a see a, a metal screamo band. Such such culture versus reading uh, a manga. And please, let's be clear here. Um, there's culture in all kinds of stuff. There's culture in metal. There's culture in dudes screaming their throats raw. There's culture in My Hero Academia. It's made. It's just not the culture the French government wants you to spend your three hundred and fifty dollars on. Uh, to oh, which my yeah, response is. Go make sure you spend that three hundred and fifty dollars on stuff the French government doesn't want you to. 
I will say that I, while in this country, I can, I can honestly say just having spent years working in the broadcast industry that the majority of U.S. citizens would not be okay with this. I applaud the initiative and the way of thinking that the French government was going about this. I also like the app. It's called – so the, the way this went about is that teenagers who are 18 years or older – so, you know, like legally adults in the eyes of the French government were told to download and access an app called Culture Pass, which not which not only had access to over 8000 businesses and institutions uh, and this and you, you get this 300 euros for up to you can activate it and use it for up to two years on the app. There's also geolocational tagging in it and recommended lists like it's a very well put together app as far as an incentive to try to give back and be a part of and, and indulge yourself on culture so i it sounds like an incredibly immersive and impressive undertaking as far as software goes if this sort of thing was available to me and things were not as completely horrible as it was here in the U.S. as far as the pandemic goes and here in the state of Illinois, I can honestly say that I would be using this app to go to art house movie theaters like the Music mm -hmm. Box up on the north yep. side, which is, in a, I love that place so much. If the Chicago Opera House was offering performances of Barber of Seville or Carmen, or if the Chicago Shakespeare Theater down on Navy Pier was doing performances of Shakespeare's greatest plays, I would gladly go spend this free 350 bucks on things like that and contribute to culture and also plug back into local businesses. I would also probably spend some money at one of the local comic shops in the area, you know, whether it's Keith's Comics in up, up, uh, up in the Schaumburg area or Geeking Comics in Carroll Stream, or, you know, if I was down in Chicago, if the weather was nice, I'd go to Graham Cracker Comics or Chicago Comics or Kevin, what's that one shop that you uh, introduced, introduced us to? Uh, Third Coast. Yeah, or Third Coast. I yeah, would also go spend some money, not all $350, mind you, on graphic novels. I would finally buy the black label hardcover ultimate edition of Darwin Cook's DC, the new frontier. I would buy that or whatever the latest, if there's a black label, a hardcover edition of uh, Mark Wade and Alex Ross's kingdom come, I would go spend that money or, you know what, heck I would go buy the 25th anniversary hardcover of Marvel's, you know, Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross's book. I would go spend some money on books that I have always wanted, but I would also because I am of a certain age and I do like that kind of culture, I would go to an opera. I would go to a play. I would go to an art house movie theater. I wouldn't just go spend the money on a blockbuster film. No, I would go use some of my own money on that. I wouldn't go waste a free three, uh, a free 350 bucks on just blockbuster movies. I would go yeah, waste some actually... of it. I would go waste some of it on nerdy shit, but not all 350 bucks. That's a that's a good question. Yeah, I guess Zach, what, what would you what would you spend that three hundred fifty bucks on if you had it? I mean, I love video games, so there'd certainly be some spent on video games. Um, yeah, books mostly. Um, you have to remember that it would only be through the, through an app, and and uh, well, yeah. let, let's say this app is like let's say the app developed here in the U.S. 
is similar to the one that was developed by the Fran by the French uh, Ministry of Culture. So you've got like over 8,000 businesses and institutions with curated lists based on like the information you fill out. What do you like? That yeah, kind of so thing. Many, there's so many famous French comics out there. That's interesting that, you know, they're either the French government isn't pushing more. Um, oh my God. What was the, what was that freaking movie that was just adapted? I don't know. So which more, one? That's a more, lot of movies. More, more Tintin or something like that. You know, well, Tintin was years ago, dude. Tintin that's was like Belgium. forever ago. And that's also like, that's Belgium. That's not France. Yeah, don't that's... get that. Yeah. Oh, wait, actually. Oof. Yeah. Don't get, don't well, get that mixed up. Yeah. I was going to say, don't, don't get, don't get your countries mixed up. I will say that if we're talking about French comics, this is one, it, it, its story is so interesting. You know, it was developed by this, by this Spanish uh, writer artist duo published for the French market and has been translated to the English speaking market, Black Sad by, by mm. Juan Diaz Canales and Juanito Gardino. Uh, that is an amazing comic. So I would like to think that maybe some of these uh, French teens, these uh, French nerds, maybe went out and bought the latest collected edition of Black Sad, because that is a dang good comic. Could be. Especially because um, that, that was written for the French market. Valerian and Loreline, that was the one I was thinking of, the like kind of Star Wars-y space opera that was adapted not, not too long ago. Interesting. Well, I, oh, an, another comic, since we're just talking about like, you know, the French culture market and everything. This is one that I wish was translated for the English market. It's called The Kong Crew by Eric Hergenel. And long story short, it's said in 1947, King Kong rules the island of Manhattan, meaning that, you know, the faithful efforts by, by humanity to repel King Kong when he was climbing the Empire State Building failed. So hmm. Kong is literally king of Ma the island of Manhattan. And that's awesome. That's it is, really it is all about a squadron of pilots who whose sole purpose is to provide aerial reconnaissance and keep people from going onto the island of Manhattan and to ensure that Kong stays in. Like it's a huh. good it's a good comic. Uh, Gene Ha posted on social media about it years ago and I wish that it was translated for English because I would read the heck out of this thing oh man yeah that that's a fucking awesome premise i'm not gonna lie that would that would, be, yeah. that would make a great movie that'd make a great movie no I think, just keep it as a comic don't make it into some garbage okay, movie yes, hollywood yes, well, no. what about what about an right. an, what about an animated series like they're faithfully adapting yeah. it as an animated series I, that could work it could but i'd rather just read the comic Oh, no, I agree. But I'm saying if it were to be Which, adapted. Oh, by the way, media. also speaking of French culture, yeah. uh, just a friendly reminder, Code Lyoko made by a French studio. That's Ooh. right. Oh, I yeah, forgot yeah. about that. Wow, dude, that's Man, a that throwback. Show, that, show, that show slapped. That show was so funny. All good. six seasons of it. There was no seventh live action season. There was no what now? Exactly. Oh, I get it. There were six glorious animated seasons and no... Attempt, attempt to uh, spin it off into live action media and bastardize it. Nice. I get it. But you know what? It is time for it is time for readers reviews and all the reviews. Oh, God. It feels like you're trying extra hard without Mari here. No, I'm just leaning into my inner Neil Pert. I'm leaning into my maybe lean back out of it. Well, what do you want me to Van Halen. 
Well, okay, actually, yeah, I, I could uh, definitely go, go the Van Halen route. I need to re-listen to some Queen albums now, see if I can't mm-hmm. do some... Uh, I'd also say Ringo, because Ringo did have great drum solos when the Beatles were active. He did have some good drum solos, like uh, uh, tr- with a little help from my friends. He had some good drum solos there. But if we're talking about it, if I'm going to do Queen, I got to study the efforts of uh, the great Roger Taylor. You know, he, he's Queen's drummer. And that, by the way, I'd like to point out that man is still rocking the most glorious mustache. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, reviewing 70s drummers this week? No, uh, ironically, because even though I b- brought up Black Sad, I am not reviewing Black Sad this week. I am reviewing a graphic novel that I picked up in a, lo- in a uh, I think it was, I forget if it was a used bookstore or wherever, but I found it after years of trying to get my hands on it. The Amalgam Age of Comics, Volume 1, the DC, the, the DC Comics Collection specifically. So, for everyone who doesn't know what in the name of Stan Lee's glasses and Jack Kirby's cigar I'm talking about in the late 90s, DC and Marvel did one of their many few and far between but very celebrated team-ups. But this time, instead of just having characters cross over in the same universe like Spidey and Superman or Batman and Punisher or the famous JLA Avengers crossover that Kurt Busiek and George Perez did – This was the idea of taking the characters from their respective companies and combining them for a series of one-shot issues undertaken by many great writer-artist teams and telling singular stories, but building it up as if these were characters that had been around for a long time. So some prominent examples that are also right on the cover of this book. There is Super Soldier, who is a combination, very obviously, of Captain America and Superman. And when I say obviously, it's because his costume is basically Captain America's World War II costume, except instead of a closed cowl, it's an open top cowl. He's got Superman's trunks and a shield that is basically a pen, a, a, a diamond shape or whatever, not a diamond shape. It's Superman's S shield, but as an, as an actual shield, like Captain America. You've ha- you have Dark Claw who is a combination of Wolverine and Batman. His, his uh, alter ego is billionaire playboy Logan Wayne. And another really mm-hmm. prominent another really prominent one, and uh, this is a shout-out for our uh, friend Rebecca of Quick Cosplay. This, should, this is a cosplay that I think uh, she would probably be interested in doing. Uh, a comic called Amazon, which is where Oro, famed uh, weather goddess of the X-Men, is washed ashore on Paradise Island and is raised as the adopted daughter of Queen Hippolyta and the adopted sister of Diana. But instead of Diana becoming the Wonder Woman of Paradise Island, Oro, she still has her mutant powers, by the way, but now she also has the gifts and powers bestowed upon by the Greek, the Greek pantheon. Wrap your brain around that for a second. It seems like they, they kind of threw a lot of similar type of stuff together i don't know just a lot of these amalgams that they actually throw together are a little overcrowded um i don't know it depends on the book it kind of it kind of well it's like with with some people it's like it really is a fusion between like you know you have super soldier which is captain america and uh, and superman but like this is literally just storm but she's on themiscura and she's kind of something yeah yeah it kind of sounds like she it's the same character with 
another's backstory rather than a fusion of two characters in this case almost right and i i get that and i'd like to point out that there are four trade paperbacks out there so if you find them there are two for dc and two for marvel and some of them are really on the nose like dr strange fate is literally doc mostly dr strange's costume with the helmet of naboo but surprise surprise guess who's underneath the helmet charles xavier because that's that, what Xavier needed, more yes. psychic voices. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. No, but th then some of them are really good, actually. Like Legends of Dark Claw number one, which is the Dark Claw book, it's actually really good. Like, it conceivably could work as a comic because the idea is that Logan Wayne's parents are still gunned down in an alley. He goes to live with an uncle in Alberta, Canada. But he still has his mutant powers. He joins, I forget, I think it's the RAF or whatever the uh, Army Division of uh, Canada's military is. I need to look that up. I apologize to all of my Canadian friends out there and any Canadian fans we have for not knowing that. And But he still is uh, part of the Weapon X program, so he still gets claws. But he comes back to, I believe it's Gotham City, and becomes the caped and cowled and clawed crime fighter dark claw and his mortal nemesis is a man named creed h quinn who was in the military with him also goes through the weapon x program but he becomes hyena who is basically literally the joker meets Sabretooth. so he's got like the goofy clown makeup of the joker but he's stacked and jacked and ripped like uh saber but he's actually a really cool looking character the one that's a little on the nose from that universe is a character who it's basically Jubilee with all of her powers, but she's wearing the uh, tiny pants Robin costume that uh, Dick Grayson and Jason Todd wore for years. She's kind of like uh, Carrie Kelly from Dark Knight Returns. Basically, yeah. But again, there are some that are, and then there are some that are just plain weird. Uh, hold on to your butts for this one, guys. Lobo the Duck. It's Lobo combined with Howard no. the Duck. <laughs> No, 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 no. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. No. Yeah, they're bad. But then there, uh, before I wrap up my review, um, like this book is really fun. I would definitely, if you are able to get your hands on it, buy it. It'll be a little pricey, but you have to bear in mind, these trade paperbacks have not been reprinted ever by their respective companies. You can find the single issues at any LCS or maybe a bookshop like um, like we have uh, Half Price Books here in Illinois, which is you know a really great institution, or you've got other used bookstores that may or may not sell, have uh, bins of comics and stuff. They the, the single issues are fun, but if you do get your hands on the trade paperbacks, whether at your LCS or when conventions resume, do genuinely pick them up because as much as there are cringeworthy efforts like Lobo the Duck, you do also have really good ones like Amazon or JLX, which is an X-Men Justice League combo or Super Soldier or Dark Claw or even Challengers of the Fantastic. You know, that's actually a really good one. It's the FF. It's Reed, it's Sue, it's Ben and it's Johnny, but they take on more of the motifs of the Jack Kirby creation Challengers of the Unknown. And that's actually a really good one. I liked that a lot for a one-shot. Uh, the only on-the-nose thing was uh, Dr. Doomsday. So it's basically Doc, It's basically Victor Von Doom, but he mutates himself to have the bony protuberances and strength of Doomsday. 
So that one's a little on that. That's a bit on the nose as far as villains go, but there's a lot of good stuff with this. So, so super, super nineties then sounds like, well, late nineties. Let's we, you got to understand this is the late nineties. So it's, it's, you know, on the cusp of the new millennium, which does actually make a bit of a difference. You know, the first, the, uh, it was 1996. So it was a long time ago. The crazy thing is that the Amalgam universe does actually have a designated Earth in the Marvel multiverse. It is Earth 9602, if you can believe that, which is crazy to think about that this would ever get a, a designation in either company's multiverse. You will never see this shit reprinted ever in your fucking life, listeners. N not, not once. So if you find it, hold on to it. Whether or not it's good, because you'll never see it again. Um, Zach, what you got for us this week? What have I got for us this week? Um, I was fortunate enough to get into the Back for Blood beta. So, Ooh, uh, oh, okay. So, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, um, the basically uh, Turtle Rock Studios is composed of all the people who worked on Left for Dead and Left for Dead Two back at Valve, and you know I don't know if Valve wouldn't put the money up for it if they just couldn't get enough people to back it whatever but they were like we want to make another left for dead game and so they went and they made this studio turtle rock and uh back for blood is is the spiritual successor to left for dead 2 made by the left for dead 2 team so mm -hmm. um i have a lot of thoughts about this there's some things that are cool and interesting um weapons are much more customizable now um there's a lot more variety of the weapons and they all have stats so you can very immediately see what the difference uh between picking up say the ak-47 is versus the m4 uh carbine the m4 uh is more accurate and has better range and i think it has a bigger magazine but it doesn't hit as hard as the ak Right, whether or not those are real mm -hmm. differences, I have no idea. It's immaterial to the state of the game. And you can put uh, magazine attachments and barrel attachments and stock attachments and all that kind of jazz on them. Um, it's unclear if those kinds of things will carry from level to level, because right now it's um, it's on an in-level basis. Um, there's a, a currency called Copper? Copper, yeah, it's called Copper, that exists in the the kind of the meta hub area of the game but that you carry with you into missions and so you can use it to do things like buy uh items or uh attachments for your weapons or even more ammo at the start of every map um unlike left for dead a a mission campaign i don't know what you want to call it i don't know what their specific term is for it i think it's still campaign is not split into four maps it's split into eight maps so there's four maps for act one and then there's four maps for act two the maps are shorter um i will say it felt like because they're shorter there's a lot less exploring you can do and there's still only one path you can take which is kind of a problem that i had in left for dead 2 it would have been nice if we could have gotten some more exploration in this um, there's a whole card perk system, which I don't know how that's going to change things, but my biggest complaint far and away has to be versus mode because it's some kind of garbage, like 
horde sit in this area while waves of enemies come at you. And there are still players controlling the special infected, but you're not running through the maps that you used to. It's some kind of horde defense thing with a, a battle royale circle that gets smaller as you play more. It's it's not great. I'll be honest. Aww. It's not great. Man, that sucks. I love Left 4 Dead. I, I I love Call of Duty Zombies. Most iterations, I'm a big fanatic, which is a fucking shame with everything going on. It sucks. I was looking for a oh, good alternative. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I realize I should be more clear. The the versus mode is bad. The actual okay, that's just gameplay, one mode. That's just one mode. Okay. Yeah, the actual gameplay itself, it's fine. Um, the zombies are zombies. They behave the way you expect. You've, you know, you've got a push that doesn't interrupt your reload animations. The weapons feel different. Um, I don't know if they need to make the enemies a little less spongy or what, but like, cause I, I, I. The easy mode is, as you expect, quite easy. Normal mode, me and my friends were never in any danger of going down. Ammo got a little scarce at times, but not bad. But on the hardest difficulty, I, I think the absolute hardest difficulty needs some fine-tuning because the enemies take a lot more damage and you're running out of bullets a lot more quickly. Um, but the big thing is these, these corruption cards. So you get some kind of negative effect when you start a map and like a challenge to get some kind of reward. So like speed run, beat the level in under eight minutes to get 500 copper as a reward or whatever, right? Fine. But on easy and normal, you only get one card on a run, but if you go to advanced, you get four cards. Like, and, and we're talking about stuff like, oh, uh, half of the special infected might be wearing riot armor or these ones hit harder or there's a bunch more alarmed doors and cars that can trigger hordes. Um, oh, this one increases, uh, decreases the horde timer. So there are more frequent hordes. Like it throws a lot at you really quickly. Um, I think the best example was me and my friends started to run on advanced we opened the door and it threw eight of the special infect two of every type of the special infected at us within uh, like a minute of the door being opened. We're like, what the hell guys? Balancing issues. Ba balance but the good news clearly. is it's all in beta. Yeah. So this could all change. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think they're going to be, hopefully they do some more open betas. Hopefully they get some good player feedback and take some of this into account. I would love uh, to jump right into that. Now, on, on I would say don't buy the yeah. Right now, yeah. I would say don't pre-order the game right now. Wait for another beta. Um, but overall, the there's a great foundation there. Let's hope they can make it great, uh, better. That, I guess I don't know. That is more or less my okay. Well, that last sentiment is a great foundation there. Let's hope it improves. Um, for a game that I also want to review, also in beta called Splitgate. All right, I'm going to pitch this to you guys. Right. It's Halo 3 multiplayer with portal mechanics. I'm going to say that again. It's Halo 3 multiplayer with portal mechanics. It is so fun. Um, again, there are like some balancing issues. You, you fall really slowly. So you, you want to try to stay on the ground as much as possible. Um, I'm playing this on PS4. And um, 
it just blew up overnight, right? Their servers couldn't handle it to the point where like they just recently implemented uh, a change to have a bigger capacity. So if you want to get in and play this for free, it's, it's I think it's pretty much out on everything. Um, you can check check uh, check your store to see if you can download Splitgate. It should be easier to get into. And they have, you know, all the classic modes, team deathmatch, gun game, capture the flag, like any, anything you could want from, you know, Call of Duty or, or, or even Halo. And with Halo Infinite coming out in the in the future and uh, Battlefield 2042 not here yet, and of course, if you don't want to support Call of Duty and Activision, you're a little bit starved for options. I would say if you're if you don't want to play Call of Duty anymore, you want to jump off, try out Splitgate, man. It's like ooh, feels so satisfying when you when you when you get a kill. It, it's it's just. It's, it feels like the good old days of, of uh, Xbox 360, honestly. It's, it's fantastic. Is it the good old days of my Halo not having hit-scan bullets? Never um, stop bringing that up. Um, mm, I'm not thrilled with that, but uh, you know, I'll still give it a try. And uh, Kevin, I ask that you refer to it by its proper name. Halo, this looks like a last-gen title. Okay, listen, it's in beta, so it's not going to look super good. Oh, you mean infinite, right? Or are you talking yeah. about this one? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that that brute meme. They're like, oh, my God, we showed off this demo, and it totally tanked our whole project. Fuck, 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 backtrack, backtrack. Oh, no. So hopefully that's half decent. Like, obviously, if you're on PlayStation, you're not going to be able to play the Halo, Halo Infinite multiplayer, which is going to be free. Try out Splitgate instead, man. It's fresh. It's a good time. You can do some big brain plays by sniping through your own fucking portal, closing it, run around here, open another one. Like, man, it, there's more mobility. There's more. You have to think in a different way than any other competitive FPS I've ever played. So, yeah, great alternative. I can see this blowing up once it becomes a full version. And once it's it's a full version, it's still expected to be free. Mm, really? It so that I mean, if it's free, there's got to be some kind of monetization in there. What? It literally. What are we looking it, it, at? It works exactly like Call of Duty. They have split like split coins, which you can buy. They have a battle pass. Like it literally works. Like they they have bundles in the store. It works the exact same way as Call of Duty. The exact gotcha. same way. It, it's only it's only uh, cosmetic um, upgrades in the store. Well, good. I like that because you know what. If that's all it is, I am usually much more willing to buy your game. I think, Zach, I think you will be pretty pleased with how Splitgate approaches itself in, in comparison to a lot. Like, if you can get past what Call of Duty does with, with their monetization, then, you know, you'll, you'll be okay with this. And, like, honestly, the gunplay, the competitiveness, it's mwah. It, it needs a little fine-tuning, but, God, I'm going to, honestly, when we jump off, I'm going to go play it. <laughs> I'm being really honest. It sounds like quite a video game odyssey you both have been on. I, I may not be a gamer, but I, these games do sound very enticing to somebody even like myself. But according to the clock on the wall here in Nerd HQ, deep beneath the bowels of the Hall of Justice, kidding, it is Wait, time... I thought we were beneath the Hall of Echoes. Nice. The Hall of Doom. It's really swampy in here. Great, my moccasins are... Wait, guys, it's the Hall of Echoing Justice. Perfect. All right, that was actually good. Oh, if this, that's not this, 90s this. as hell, I don't know what is. <laughs> the Amalgam Universe. In any case, it is time to put the comic books back in their long boxes, the games back on the shelf. 
The action figures need to go back in their hermetically sealed little pods. We are calling it a wrap on today's episode of the Triple C Pad Podcast. You can find us on our home away from home, fandomlimb.com, or wherever good podcasts can be found and listened to. So Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you get your podcasting fix, we are there to bring a little bit of levity and nerdiness into your day-to-day lives. So from all of us here, I'm Josh. I'm Kevin. I'm whatever the name they gave to Gold Lewis uh, Dickinson's brother is, leaning in the background, eating hamburgers. That's the life I want. Mm, That's a good life. And uh, don't forget to check out our stream, 6 p.m. Central CCC podcast right on Twitch. I'm going to be on some Splitgate this Wednesday, so let's check it out. Let's go if you guys are curious about that. Make sure to support your local libraries, comic book stores, or other fine places where you can get your read on. Support your local businesses as well. Stay safe, stay awesome, and continue to be true to the nerd that is within you. And we will see you next time, folks. Same nerd time. Same nerd channel. Bye for now, everyone.